steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are talking about how your Minnesota Vikings are going to rebound in Week 2. Um, they've got the Indianapolis Colts this week. Um, an interesting new um, new offense, I suppose, with Phillip Rivers coming to the town now instead of uh, Jacoby Brissett and previously Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. It's a different... Uh, it's a completely different franchise with just a completely different quarterback, I suppose. But um, a lot of the pieces remain the same. The Vikings have had some interesting experiences with the Colts in previous years. So um, go coming off of a disappointing win, or excuse me, disappointing loss uh, against Green Bay, uh, it's all the more important to get something done in here against Indianapolis this week. So Drew and I will do our typical thing, breaking down the offense and defense for the Colts and how the Vikings will respond um, to their best playmakers um, and how they'll take advantage of their weakest links as well. So that's the game plan for today, and then we'll finish up with our picks. So uh, let's jump right into it here, starting with how the Vikings' defense is going to stop the Colts' offense. Uh, this this offense has a lot of bigger names on it, um, one of them, of course, being within the offensive line, which is something that you don't necessarily hear about with you know most of the teams we talk about, I suppose. Um, but... They're, they are fragile, I'll say. Uh, and they're also an offense that is very hit or miss. Uh, boom or bust is literally the Philly cheese style. So um, what's your, I guess what's your what are your thoughts? Just glancing at this offensive roster and knowing what you do about the Vikings defense after one week of play, what are your immediate thoughts on how this one's going to go? Well, I, I there's, you know, I think Devonta Adams gave the Vikings lots of fits last week. <clears throat> but... I don't see that kind of star power in the Colts receiving core. Like, you know, and we talked about how besides Adams, there's not a really a number two viable option for Green Bay. I think with all that, Scantling burned the Vikings a couple times last week. But uh, other than that, there wasn't a ton of, you know, other receivers making a ton of plays for Green Bay. Um, whereas Indianapolis, I think it'll be a little bit more spread out. T.Y. is the big name. Uh, and he's been filling the stat sheet for a while. Um, but he, Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell are kind of be your, your receivers. Campbell being, I believe a rookie or two, a second year guy, a uh, second year guy, uh, for the Colts receiving course. So that's a, uh, you know, that's a solid trio of guys. And I think, you know, the thing about it's, it's all driven by Philip Rivers, right? Um, uh, he will throw to his running backs to a fault. And so it's not, it's almost, I wouldn't <laughs> He'll say throw to everyone to a fault. <laughs> I, well, that's that. Yes. We'll get to that. But it's, I wanted to bring that up because it's not even as relevant when we talk about the receivers and the tight end, it's all about the running backs. Like, you know, we saw with the chargers, you know, Austin Eckler became a fantasy stud, especially in PPR leagues, putting up 10, 15 catches in some games. That's going to happen now with Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the, the two-headed monster now in Indianapolis with Marlon Mack out with the Achilles injury. Jonathan Taylor, the rookie out of Wisconsin who got a billion carries in college, 
uh, now playing for Indianapolis and now assuming, you know, he'll be the, the guy now. And then Naheem Hines will kind of be your Austin Eckler, so to speak, for Rivers this year, whereas Taylor kind of is going to be the Melvin Gordon of that offense. So if you want to compare it, Phillip Rivers, Chargers, Colts, I think that's where you're going to get. So it's just this offensive line, I think, is the big, uh, you know, that's going to be the problem for this Vikings defense because they didn't get any pressure last week against the Packers offensive line that was a little bit beat up. Now you got, an, uh, you know, with Indianapolis, an offensive line that's much better, in my opinion. So getting pressure will be huge uh, for the Vikings this week. But that's kind of, I kind of touched on pretty much everything there, which. No, didn't no, really, that's a, uh, honestly, that's a of, good overview of what we're looking at. You know, yeah, for, I just bounced around and I just, whatever, I mean, no agenda. Just bounced around, gave you everything I got there. So that that's perfectly fine by me. And you, you know, I think you get a gave a good overview of what to expect in terms of who will be the key guys to, you know, uh, hear, hear their names called, if you will. Um, you start with Philip Rivers, of course, the quarterback, and everyone. Like, there's not a whole lot more to break up about. Uh, excuse me, break down about Philip Rivers. You know, we've been watching this guy play for what seems like two decades now. Uh, he is the ultimate, like. He's the ultimate boomer bust quarterback because he's got all the talent in the world, but his decision making is almost always questionable, and it almost always seems to come down to the fourth quarter. He's the most exciting player in football because he literally makes the fourth quarter exciting in every single game he played, and last week was no exception. And of, of course, he normally has a couple interceptions on the stat sheet as well, which is an area that the Vikings didn't get on in week one. So something to consider there. Um, the second piece was what you touched on a little bit there with Marlon Mack being out with the Achilles injury. I think a lot of us expected that Jonathan Taylor would eventually be, quote, the guy at running back for the Colts, especially during fantasy drafts. And I think a lot of you guys out there were probably very concerned heading into week one um, when it was t- said that there was going to be a committee in the backfield. And Frank Reich did exactly that. It was very much a committee. Hines had seven carries, Mack had four, and Taylor had nine, with Taylor chipping in six receptions, as Drew alluded to, um, with the running back position being a big piece of um, what Phillip Rivers likes to do. I didn't even mention the eight receptions that Hines got, by the way. So that's 14 right there, and then Marlon Mack for three more. 17 receptions by running backs last week, just to (laughs) add on to uh, what Drew was saying. So that brings us to the, the wide receiver group, which... You know, not bad, like you said, but outside of T.Y. Hilton and his, quote, star power, if you want to call it star power, he's really a boomer bust guy, too. I mean, he's got the Deshaun Jackson gene, right, where he catches three or four balls for like 95 yards and maybe a touchdown. That's generally what T.Y. Hilton does. And that should concern you as a Vikings fan, given what we saw, you know, Valdez Scantling do in his ability to just straight up get open over the top. I mean, he wasn't even catching everything that was thrown at him. I can't imagine what, you know, a guy like Hilton who can has literally made a very successful professional career off of running deep, basically. Uh, I would be nervous about that. That's my main takeaway, just looking at these guys Mm -hmm. um, and knowing what I do about the players on this offense. A couple of smaller names. I mean, Michael Pittman, the rookie. um, That's going to be that's, of course, Mm going to be an interesting player. Their second rounder out of USC. Um, not a whole lot of playing time in week one, uh, maybe more of an, a guy that has more influence later on this season and, you know, a couple of years down the road, but someone to keep an eye on. Uh, but like Drew said, I do think that this offensive line is the biggest concern for the Vikings. Now, we know yeah, the cornerback situation is a big problem, right? Uh, we also know that coverage and pass rush play off of each other. So if you're not getting any pass rush, good luck to the coverage and vice versa. So I look at the wide receivers and I look at the offensive line and I think, you know, the two, the Vikings, two biggest issues last week, 
across the entire team, not just the defense, but across the entire team, was getting a pass rush and holding on to coverage for more than two and a half seconds, basically. Which, for what it's worth, is, an, is a bigger ask, but... I mean, the Vikings' coverage was not good last week. So mm-hmm. you look at the receivers. You look at the three guys, Campbell, Hilton, and Pascal. Those are probably your three biggest playmakers here. Hilton can beat you over the top. Campbell being more of a possession-type guy that has, you know, is somewhat dangerous with the ball in his hands, but by all, he's not like Stephon Diggs with, your ball, with the ball in his hands or Percy Harvin or anything like that. Um, he's just a, a quality receiver, more of a possession-type, um, like a very, very light Reggie Wayne, that type of skill set, right? Um and then Pascal's just – he's one of those guys who pops up on your fantasy sheet every once in a while, and that's really about it. So those three guys are concerning because of what the Vikings have. This Colts offensive line is concerning because of both of what the Vikings don't have right now, and that's Daniil Hunter or Linville Joseph or any interior pass rush up the middle. And Ngakwe struggling – well, struggling. It's one week, but, you know, struggling – then you throw into the fact that they have the best guard in the NFL. I'm not mm-hmm. debating this. Quentin Nelson is the best guard in the entire NFL. A very, very good center who just got re-signed for good reason in Ryan Kelly. Anthony Costanzo, who's been doing it for seemingly forever um, at both tackle spots. He's playing on the left side right now, according to our lads. And then Mark Lewinsky and Brandon Smith, who are not liabilities, but also not superheroes either. So you've got two really good pieces on the interior, a very solid left tackle, and then two guys that aren't going to kill you, which is Vikings fans. You're hearing that and probably thinking, you know, how great, how nice would it be to just have that? Right. I think that's similar to what the Vikings had in like, oh, nine, I think. when you had like McKinney, Hutchinson, Burke. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't know if Burke was on that squad in oh, nine, but either way, they it was but they went they transitioned from Burke to Sullivan. So either way, they had a strong center there. And it, it is reminiscent of that unit. Uh, I am concerned about the Vikings interior defensive line in this game. Uh, it seems like one of those where Frank Wright could dial up a bunch of, uh, you know, runs through the A gap and the Vikings could get destroyed on that with uh you know, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson going up against, uh, you know, Shamar Stefan, Jaleel Johnson, uh, maybe you throw in there, you know, Armin Watts or uh, uh, Hercules Mata'afa. So I I really think I, I Jonathan Taylor would be a tremendous start in fantasy if you have him on your squad <laughs> this week because I do. There you go. Well, I'm starting. I'm starting start him. Yeah, big start this week for Jonathan Taylor, both because A, of this matchup, the Vikings defensive line, and B, because of all the perceptions that he's going to get from Phillip Rivers in this game. So um, I I really think this will be a shootout type of game, uh, which I don't love. But as we talk about the Vikings offense here soon, uh, Vikings offense actually was very efficient last week. Uh, it's just that there was no sample size because of how poor the Vikings defense played. I don't hate the idea of a shootout, especially with Philip Rivers. Like, I like yes, this Vikings I, I, team. I, there you go. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, I like this Vikings offense in terms of the capacity to get into a shootout and potentially come out ahead, right? Like, they did score 34 points last week. I mean, I know a lot of it was, you know, questionable situation, non-neutral ground or whatever statistic you want to, you know, raise. But they did score, I mean, a lot. And they, led, they, they led the league in yards per play last week. Which is extremely which, interesting. And it wasn't very close. I think the Packers were second, actually, at 6.9, and the Vikings were 8.0. So, like, I mean, I don't know if this is the end of our Vikings defense discussion, but um, it's just that's um, I that's the one concern. The, it's, not the, it's the one concern, but it's the major concern 
for this is just that Colts offensive line against the Vikings defensive line that d- produced almost nothing last week. Um, somehow, some way, Akwe's got to show up. If Adio Denebo's got to show up in the pass rush. And, I mean, if I'm Indianapolis, I am just running Jonathan Taylor as much as possible. Cause it's not like the guy can't carry the ball a lot. He did that a ton at Wisconsin. He can shoulder a 30 to 40 carry game. That's what I would do if I was the Colts. But hopefully, for their sake, that they don't fall into a shootout like I am uh, suggesting here. The last two pieces that we didn't touch on on offense are the two tight ends, Jack Doyle, and then Mo Ali Cox is also an interesting player. Um, Doyle, of course, I'm sure you're, most of you are very familiar with, very stable, consistent, pat, you know, possession tight end. Not going to blow up, you know, the world or anything like that, but he's a, you know, a solid player that'll probably catch a few balls and move the chains a few times a game. Uh, Cox or Ali Cox is the interesting player because I think. I'm pretty sure he's a former basketball player. And if I, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not being, I'm not joking around here. I think he was a former basketball player and I'm sure we'll find out on Sunday if he was or not. Uh, but he's extremely good at going up and getting it in the end zone. Um, so keep an eye on him, especially if he gets max matched up on one of the Vikings corners who are all three of them are relative. Well, all three with the exception of Dantzler, um, are relatively small guys. Um, if the Vikings end up getting Cox matched up on a corner, uh, that's a problem. So something else to keep an eye on for the Vikings on defense. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's trans- transition here over to the defensive side of the football. Um, I think that this defense has a lot of great pieces. You know, they have put a lot of time and effort into rebuilding this unit, and they made a huge move this offseason to go out and get DeForest Buckner uh, from San Francisco. And you look at this unit now with his inclusion, and it seems like they've got a star player at every single level, maybe mm-hmm. two. Uh, so let's start with that defensive line. Uh, Vikings are facing a 4-3 defensive line, or excuse me, defensive front um, in this game. So a little bit different from what was going on in Green Bay. Maybe a different look might help him out. But um, you still got Buckner. He's going to be that three technique in the interior. And then Justin Houston, who was obviously great when he was in Kansas City, um, slowed up a little bit still an effective player at the you know twilight of his career. Um, and then a couple of other guys in Danico Autry and Grover Stewart, um, who I'm honestly not very familiar with. And I think that's probably for good reason. Yeah. I mean, I think though you, you mentioned the, the big name is Buckner, right? Um, and to what it, for what it's worth, I, I look back last week and uh, you know, I, I saw good things from Garrett Bradbury. So uh, you, you overall, I think the offensive line was, it was a step in the right direction in turn and was po- more positive than I anticipated. So, you know, I think there's still concerns. It's still not a strong unit, but if it can be serviceable, I think that's going to be good enough. And I think against this unit, I think good enough will allow Kirk some time and allow this so far efficient offense to kind of, uh, take off, so to speak in this game. So I'm not, I mean, I, we'll talk about the other levels of the defense, but, uh, I'm not as scared of like this this defensive line, this pass rush as I was Green Bay with, um, you know, Zedarius and Preston Smith there. Absolutely, it's not as many moving parts, right? You're not going to see as many guys flying around the defensive line, lining up in different spots. They're basically going to line up as is, and they're going to show you what they got. That's kind of what the cuts the Colts do on defense, uh, and they expect you to beat you one on one. Which DeForest Buckner, for what it's worth. If he only gets one offensive lineman, he's probably going to win. I mean, he's been doing it throughout his career. Yep. Uh, so the Vikings need to be cautious of that, right? They need to be aware of the fact that they either to have, <clears throat> excuse me, two interior offensive linemen, uh, you know, uh, 
trying to stop Buckner and then moving their other guys accordingly, or they need to have a guy in there like a tight end inside uh, the formation or a running back alongside the quarterback to give extra protection if needed from the interior. That's the one concern I really have. I do think that if it ends up being Brian O'Neill who gets Justin Houston, the Vikings will be fine. Um, if Houston's on the opposite side and against Riley Reef, it might be a little bit more of a cause for concern. But no, again, nothing that I think is going to completely be a backbreaker for the Vikings on offense. Now, when you move to the second level, again, really, really strong star power in Darius Leonard, who, of course, didn't play, I believe, the majority of last season, if not all of it, uh, with an injury last year. And then you've got a couple of guys here where not exactly household names, once again, and Anthony Walker and Bobby O'Quee. Okikere, Orike, Okrike, something like that. I don't know how to say his name. I don't know much about him either, but I do know that Darius Leonard's good and he's very dangerous covering running backs out of the backfield and making literally every single tackle on every single play. Yeah, he's a tackling machine. Uh, I think it it was his rookie year, right, where he led the league and put up 150 or 200,000 tackles or something. Um, Something like that. So he'll he'll be everywhere. He's a ball hawk, right, at at linebacker, ranging uh, sideline to sideline. Uh, I don't think he's not like the coverage guy, so to speak, that Kendricks is, for example, but he does have that nose for the ball. Uh, so he'll be around the football on pretty much every play. But um, that'll be one to watch for the Vikings running game, which, again, I'm going to keep saying this because it's true. You know, small sample size last week, but Cook and Madison were, you know, pretty efficient last week. So I would imagine the Vikings will go back to that early and often this week. As long as they have the ball, uh, they will do that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like an important piece here. Um, the Colts defense, again, a lot, like a lot of very, very good playmakers here, but there's so many gaps in kind of the greatness of this team, right? Like Buckner is outstanding, but he's got, he doesn't really have anyone next to him that really scares you, right? There's no one else on here. That's going to show up in the stats stat sheet in bulk. And there's no one on that defensive line. That's going to catch your eye other than Buckner. And then you get to the second level. And it's like, okay, Darius Leonard, great player, outstanding player. You can't miss them when you're watching Colts tape, right? But the other two linebackers, I'd be surprised if 50% of our audience knows either of them. One of each, one of either. 50%. And I think most of you guys on here are reading blogs every day and know everything there is to know about the NFL. But neither of these guys really are, are – you're not familiar with these guys because they're just – they're guys, right? Um, they're guys. That's what they are. And then you've got Darius Leonard, who's just an absolute stud. So two great pieces and then basically what – three or four more kind of movable parts. And then Justin Houston, who you might be lucky to get, you know, the, a flash of greatness every now and then still. And then we move all the way back to the secondary. Now it gets a little bit more interesting here. And it also creates a little bit of uh, animosity, if you will, given the circumstances, you've got Malik Hooker at free safety. One of the most dangerous safeties in the NFL, especially with the ball in center his hands. fielder. The, one of the best center, my preferred center fielder in the NFL. Um, and then you've got Kenny Moore next to him. And then the two cornerbacks, Rocky Sin, who awesome, awesome football name, by the way, also a very solid cornerback. And then, of course, we couldn't get through the show without mentioning Xavier Rhodes, right? Uh, who is currently the opposite starting uh, cornerback uh, for the Colts secondary. So you look at that group of four, you see former star power in Rhodes. I, I think that's fair to say, right? Like, he's not the player he used to be. So maybe solid, but not great. And you've got Hooker, who's coming off of an injury seemingly every single year. But when he's on the field, I mean, he's got the Ed Reed knack for finding the football. So don't throw in his vicinity, I guess, and 
you know, you can avoid that issue. And then Rocky Sin, who uh, solid, again, solid player, not great. Um, not going to blow you away with his ability to stay one-on-one with the receiver. Probably not going to beat you with an interception, uh, but a solid player and definitely someone that would, you know, be welcomed on the Vikings roster just because he's a little bit more consistent in coverage. Um, but all that being said, I mean, again, one real star and then some nice pieces around him. Uh, this defense really is, you know, one star at each level and then some nice pieces that are kind of complementing those players. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of holes. I mean, as you go through this depth chart, you keep seeing names where it's like, okay, we can we can beat that guy, right? Kari Willis at nickel, probably feel comfortable with Adam Thielen lining up in the slot against him, right? I mean, or Justin Jefferson. Him, or Justin Jefferson, right? Whoever it is. I mean, I, I look at this secondary, and I think this is an opportunity for the Vikings so long as Kirk doesn't get too cute with it. And he doesn't go like full gambler on us and try to beat Malik Hoker over the top in double coverage. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen the clip yet of Xavier Rhodes getting kind of lost on that touchdown that ended up winning it for Jacksonville last week. Gardner Minshew, first of all, had a day against the secondary last week. He threw one incomplete pass and three touchdown passes. So um, and you can think of what you will about Gardner Minshew. I think it's, you know, he's probably a little underrated being in Jacksonville where there's absolutely no market or, or, or fans that are rooting for him there and having creating publicity about him. But now you get, you know, in that secondary is now playing against Minnesota, which was uh, largely against garbage time. But again, super efficient last week. Uh, Adam Thielen, the two long touchdowns. And uh, this Vikings offense in general was very efficient. Besides, really, there's like two plays that you're just kind of that really destroyed everything for him last week. Um, so, I mean, you got the fumble uh, or not the fumble, the interception right before half. You got the safety uh, from Jair Alexander. And then you can also mention that fourth and three in there. But other than those plays, really, this game, you know, this Vikings offense was pretty darn good. Uh, it, it's just the three, their three bad plays were very, very bad and resulted in resulted almost directly in points for green Bay. So I, I really like the way the Vikings match up with this defense, to be honest. And I, you know, the, 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 the Colts defense has not been bad by any means. I just think the, I think the Vikings offense, I'm, I'm probably looking too much into the small sample size from last week in which the, the plays actually mattered, but I think the Vikings can put up points this week against this team. I think it's, it's going to be a matter of how can they stop Jonathan Taylor and really get a good push against that Colts offensive line. Uh, that's going to be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at this, this Colts defense and I think across the board, you have to feel comfortable with the way that the Vikings match up with them. Right. Uh, you know, you have to feel like Adam Thielen's going to win his one-on-one, whether he gets Xavier Rhodes, which would be awesome. I would love to see that heads up matchup. I doubt that's going to be the case, but that'd be fun to see. Um, you have to feel comfortable with him. Uh, you probably should feel comfortable about the Vikings offensive line's ability to pave holes for Dalvin Cook. Um, and if he gets to the second level, I mean, as dangerous as Darius Leonard really is, um, and, you know, how often he seemingly is in the right spot, he's a player. I mean, he's one player, right? Out of 10, or excuse me, out of 11 on defense, there's 10 other guys that, you know, you could theoretically get matched up on. And just kind of phase him out, take him away from, take away their best player. I mean, run to the right side if he's li- if he's lining up on the left, something like that. It can be, it honestly like it sounds basic and it sounds you know simple, yeah. but it really can be that simple. Like 
stay away from one guy and you can beat this defense. That's kind of how it is at the second and third level. So I'm confident in Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, especially, you know, after what, you know, we've seen from those two players and kind of what we have come to expect. And then Cousins, you know, I'm sure you saw the Jay Gruden floating around that I think uh, was Chad Graff floated out there on the athletic this week that, uh, that uh, Cousins is, you know, in so many words is, is too much of a perfectionist and that he just, he's, a, he's basically afraid to throw into tight end, tight windows. I, you know, I don't think there's going to be too many super tight windows against this defense, right? I mean, I don't see two corners that are really good in man coverage. So just looking at this group, it seems like the Vikings offense matches up very well with this defense, but there are a couple of guys that can just mess up the entire thing. I mean, if you can't block DeForest Buckner, everything Drew and I just said goes out the window. If you can't block him, it's over because he's going to get in the backfield. He's going to punish our offensive line. He's going to punish Kirk Cousins. Then once Cousins gets rattled, everything kind of goes to shit. We've seen it you know, plenty of times over the last couple of years. So, yes, there are some reasons to be skeptical here. But just a brief overview of what we know about the Colts, what we know about your Vikings, says that you, know, you should feel pretty comfortable with this matchup, at least the individual matchups on paper. Yeah, no, you should. And I, I think, you know, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to base everything off of the Packers game, and maybe that's wrong. But, um, you know, I think the Colts are definitely not as dangerous as the Packers. And uh, I will say, too, that, you know, looking at this Vikings offense, um, it, it, this feels like a game where uh, this play-action game, I think if the Vikings use that more, Gary Kubiak goes into that. I think it can really pay dividends. Uh, catch the Colts over pursuing or catch them, you know, looking into Dalvin cook a little bit and play action works anyway. Right. We've the analytics suggest that, you know, play action works um, regardless of if you're running backs averaging minus four yards a carry or six yards a carry, whatever the case is. So uh, I'm always a proponent for play action, but I think really this week it could really be a benefit. Um, and then, like you said, and, and I mentioned, I'm getting my popcorn ready for Xavier Rhodes versus whoever it is at receiver for the Vikings. I think that'll be fun to watch. Um, I would imagine he'll be playing with a chip on his shoulder a little bit this week. Absolutely. And and he should. I mean, the way that the Vikings kicked him to the curb, I mean, <laughs> he was supposed to make $12 million this year. He's yeah. not making that much money. I would be pissed, too. And I'd be excited to play against my former team. Uh, and if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm excited for him to play – the Vikings as well, based off what we've seen from him over the last, what? Based on the reasons he's not making $12 million. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Exactly. So uh, we've gone over this roster. Um, I don't think there's anything on special teams that really warrants discussion. Besides the goggles that, uh, what's his name? The kicker for the Colts is going to be wearing. Blankenship? Rodrigo Blankenship? Rodrigo Blankenship. Yes. Uh, that, That needs to be noted in this show. Rodrigo Blankenship is going to be wearing those thick black goggles, I believe. At least I saw from, uh, I think, is, it, is that right? Blankenship, is he, wears, is he the goggles guy? I think. Maybe I mean, not. I'll, I'll, Maybe I'll I'm messing that up, this. but I think that's right. Oh, he is. Yeah, no, you nailed it. He definitely is. And he looks hilarious. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's our analysis on the special teams. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, um finish up our discussion here for this matchup, then move into our picks. Uh, Major kind of points of emphasis this week for the Vikings. If X happens, then the Vikings win. If X happens, then the Vikings lose. Um, Give me your final analysis here. 
Uh, I think it's, like I said, Colts offensive line. Uh, keep them in check. Get a push every once in a while, I guess. I mean, you're going to let Quentin Nelson get his, so to speak, right? But um, I think it's limiting uh, Jonathan Taylor on the ground, really. And then, you know, take advantage when Phillip Rivers gives you that, that arm punt or that that lofty, uh, you know, floated ball that he throws every once in a while. Uh, take advantage of that and create the turnover. Uh, and then when you do get that turnover, turn it into points. So I, because every game, Phillip Rivers is going to give you those opportunities. Uh, they might be, you know, it might be four to five. It might be 10, like last year uh, with the Chargers Vikings game. But take advantage of them. And, uh, you know, again, if you get after Phillip Rivers, he'll make those mistakes. So uh, the defensive line for the Vikings has to perform well against this Colts offensive line, create enough turnovers, create enough, uh, you know, big swinging plays that, uh, and that should be enough to win. So that's that's kind of the big match I'll be looking at. I think the point that you made about Phillip Rivers and the need to take advantage of his gambler mentality um, and his somewhat old age, or somewhat his old age in the relative to NFL terms, uh, that's a that's a huge breaking point here. If the Vikings can get a couple turnovers, they should win this football game, right? That's not just the Vikings. That's really any team. If you get a couple turnovers, you should feel very comfortable that your team's going to win the game. And the Vikings offense has the potential to do something with those turnovers, too. So, yeah, if Phillip Rivers is going to give you one, like, yes, you need to take advantage of that. Um, We've seen skills from Holton Hill that suggest that he has the ability to make that type of big play on a ball that's up in the air. Uh, Mike Hughes, I believe, had, what, a fumble recovery for a touchdown or a pick six in his rookie season. So we know that he's got it in him. And Cameron Dancer was in the right spot all week long last week. I don't expect that to change this week with Phillip Rivers and, you know, this receiving core. So assuming that that can be the case and the Vikings, you know, cornerbacks can get maybe a little boost to their confidence here. I think that not only helps this week, but next week as well. And then the second piece here is just if you stop DeForest Buckner, if you, I, I know it's a big ask. And I don't have an answer to it. I don't have the, the way to scheme him up perfectly. But if you can stop him, you can win this football game. Because I don't think there's anyone else in that front seven that's going to beat you from a pass-rushing perspective. For as good as Darius Leonard is at tackling guys, he does not get to the quarterback often. Or he's not even asked to get to the quarterback very often. So if you can stop Buckner, you 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 should win this football game. Both of the both of those things be true. Stop, you know, take advantage of Phillip Rivers' I don't even know what to call it. It's like, it's his own style of play. There's no one else like him. The closest one that I can think is like the Brett Favre mentality where you're going to throw it up and throw it into any window and what happens, happens. You got to take Except advantage for, of that He doesn't kind of have quarter. the arm strength for most of those windows. So He also doesn't throw the ball like the right way. <laughs> he <doesn't. laughs> Again, he's, he's Yes, it is. He's literally like he's his own guy. There's There will never be another quarterback like Phillip Rivers. So I guess enjoy this potentially last cha- taste um, of Phillip Rivers. But at the same time, let's get a couple picks here this week, right? Let's turn the football over. Um, it'd be nice to see the Vikings do a little bit more defensively to help out their offense um, and vice versa to a degree as well. So um, with that all being said, give me your pick. Do the Vikings get this one done? Uh, is is there any reason to suggest that they're going to be 0-2 heading into a Week 3 matchup, which is um, not as friendly? I'll pick the Vikings because it's Phillip Rivers. Um, I, it's it, In a weird way, I think if it was Jacoby Brissett, I think I'd take the Colts. Um, <laughs> but I'll also add that they're playing indoors, you know, in the Dome, which I think does help the Vikings too. So um, I will take the Vikings tentatively in this game. Uh, so... For now, I mean, 
I'm owing one of the Vikings games this year, but uh, Vikings are the pick. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings as well. I, I'm, I like your thought that it's going to be a shootout because I think the Vikings can do can deal with that. Um, I love watching Phillip Rivers in a shootout, so that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um, and I do think that the Vikings have the more complete roster despite the fact that right now those it looks like they have zero cornerbacks and zero pass rushers. I mean, two weeks ago, we were a little bit more optimistic, right? And I don't want to fall into that void of just seeing, you know, what happened in week one is now the precedent. I'm not ready to say that yet. I don't I, – hey, I'm not saying the Vikings cornerbacks are good, but I'm not ready to say that all three of them are so bad the Vikings will never compete in the game this year. I'm not ready to say that yet. And I'm not ready to say that Yannick Ngakwe isn't, is a complete bust as a trade either, right? So step up. Do your job again this week. And I think the Vikings are the better football team and they can yeah. win because what advantage are the Colts getting from, well, like you said, playing in a dome without any fans? And plus, Mike Zimmer's teams generally bounce back. That's a good point. After the poor performances. You know, there's been a few of those eggs in the past in Zimmer's uh, tenure. It's usually about one per year or one comes up and it's just they completely uncharacteristically play that bad. And so uh, it seems like at least defensively that was the case last week and generally that unit bounces back. So I know a lot of different guys in that locker room this year, but um, still taking the Vikings. Yeah. This is the right team to bounce back against too, especially after, you know, if this defense took anything away from what happened last week, right? Like if they went into the locker room pissed and thinking this is never going to happen again, et cetera, et cetera. They come in with that right mentality. I mean, Phillip Rivers is the quarterback you want to face, right? I love the guy. I think he's a hall of famer, but there's a reason he doesn't have a Super Bowl. There's a reason he's erratic. There's a reason he's consistent. All of those little things. And all of that is just emphasized, you know, with him being, what, 38, 39 years old now and playing in a new offense for the first time. Um, I'd expect some mistakes, and I'm hoping the Vikings take advantage yeah. of them. And if that becomes the case, I'm with you. Vikings win this one as well. So with all that being said, let's jump into the rest of our picks now with both Drew and I carrying Minnesota in that week two matchup. Uh, around the NFL, the first matchup on our board here is the showdown for Ohio in Cincinnati and Cleveland, a real barn burner, I'm sure, but somewhat entertaining. Like I'll, I'll watch this game. You've like at least piece oh, snippets yeah. of it. Uh, Joe Burrow going against Baker Mayfield. Uh, Burrow came out with a very, uh, very solid performance. I mean, he didn't get the win because you got a, what, a 30 yard miss from Randy Bullock at the end there. Uh, but this team looks like it can play a little bit. And Cleveland looked abysmal once again, despite the fact that they have all these, you know, playmakers yeah. on offense. I I still believe in Cleveland, which is the craziest thing to say, probably. Um, but I still Cleveland. believe a little bit just because it was Baltimore last week. So I'm going to pick the Browns. Um, it's sort of the last this this season, obviously, is sort of the last chance, right, for Baker and that unit. Um, and with, yet you have your your you know, offensive head coach who seemingly knows what he's doing. Uh, I'm taking Cleveland, but it's, I, I'm kind of getting tired of having my hopes, you know, let down. Okay. So I'm going to take Cincinnati. I'm, I will be rooting for Cleveland for what you just said, because I would love to see Baker Mayfield be good. And for this offense to like turn it around. And I would love to see Kevin Stefanski be the one to do it. Right. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. Baltimore's there's nothing, defense there's is good. no basis to root for the Browns still. Like they, they no. haven't proven anything ever for decades. <laughs> so there's no reason to even root for them other than hype. And, you know, because clearly Odell is the best receiver was before he joined Cleveland. Now, not so much. 22 receiving yards last week. Yep. I'm going with Cincinnati. 
the next one here, a battle of the Giants and the Chicago Bears. Uh, Bears squeak out a victory last week over the Lions that they really, really should not have had. Um, it was gift wrapped to them by DeAndre yes. Swift with that drop in the end zone late in the game on a perfectly thrown ball by Matthew Stafford. So the Chicago's 1-0. The Giants are 0-1, but they actually played a lot better than I think I thought they would, despite the fact that Saquon Barkley had six rushing yards. Despite that, um, who you got in this matchup? I have the Bears reluctantly, just because I don't think the Giants are good enough yet. I think I do think it's a, the Trubisky-Daniel Jones QB matchup could be fun in a hilarious, like, uh, turnovers, lots yeah. of them type of way. So uh, I do pick the Bears on this game, but I don't think either team's that good. So I don't think they're either. I don't think either is good as well. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Giants though because I think that. I, I think that Barkley can't be, the Barkley that we've seen for what the last 17 football games. I just think he's better than that. And th- there is vulnerability on the Chicago defense this year because of the couple of the guys that opted out, a couple of the guys that aren't playing. Um, I think Barkley has a field day. I'm gonna take the Giants in an upset. Mm, okay. uh, next one here is Matt Ryan and the Falcons are playing up against. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, who coming off of a bit of a heartbreaking win, um, a little bit of a questionable call there at the end for pass interference on Michael Gallup. Uh, it seemed like Jalen Ramsey might have um, acted well, he did, that one He out did sell bit. it. Oh, yeah. He did sell it a little bit. Um, so now it's a, it's a key matchup here with the NFC South being as tight as it is. And uh, Dallas, you know, Pressure is on, man. I mean, Dak Prescott wants a new deal. You got to win some football games. Same can be said about Mike McCarthy and the rest of this roster that they assumed would compete for a Super Bowl this year. So who do you got in this week two matchup? Picking Dallas. Uh, I still believe in that roster. I think maybe it, it could have been a case last week where we're maybe underselling the Rams versus yeah. overselling Dallas. But uh, I'll take Dallas this week against Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta's – I don't buy – I. I've given up on buying that hype for a while now. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm with you. I'm going to take Dallas as well. Um, Excuse me. I I think the point you just made about the Rams being a little bit better than I think we were giving them credit for is a fair point. Um, And Dallas hung with them, right? I mean, they were there right to the very end. I mean, this conversation is much different if that PI isn't called on Gallup. So I think Dallas remains a little bit, can kind of stay consistent and continue to improve with a new head coach. Well, uh, a veteran head coach that is implementing a new style of play. Um, I think they will only get better as the weeks come here. Um, I'm going to take Dallas in week two. Uh, the next one, another very important matchup uh, for deciding the future of the NFC North. We've got the Detroit Lions heading to Lambeau Field this week. Uh, like I just said, Detroit coming off of a heartbreaking loss, a game they should have won. Green Bay on the flip side uh, pretty much dominated the Vikings throughout. Uh, but there are still some question marks, at least defensively, for what they're doing there. Yeah, I think this will be closer than most people think. Um, Detroit has really been competitive with Green Bay the last couple of years. Uh, remember last year was, you know, it's the the officials with the, what was the hands to the face or something on uh, uh, on Detroit there that really shouldn't have been called, and it was a couple times, uh, kind of gave the Packers that win. I'm going to take the Packers, but I think it'll be a close game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take the Packers as well. Um, I, I don't think the Lions are good still. <laughs> I was wa- I was watching pieces of um, the Detroit-Chicago game after the Vikings game, and just seeing Matt Patricia on the sideline gave me zero hope for them yeah, to win, yeah. win football I don't know games. how he gives any hope. He can't be inspiring to that team. <laughs> definitely does not look inspiring. I mean, I, I know I'm one to talk, but, like, Jesus Christ, man. So, <laughs> um, 
I'm going to go with Green Bay as well. Um, the next one here, AFC South, uh, Jacksonville, one to know. Tennessee also want to know. Uh, you know, I, I feel like this is a pretty obvious pick here, but any hope for I, Jacksonville? Hey, there's hope. I mean, I'm picking Tennessee. I think they're the much better team, even though they played poorly. Um, and, you know, didn't win as convincingly maybe against Denver as you would expect, but I'm still picking Tennessee. Yeah, I'm taking Tennessee as well. Um, excuse me. I think that week one was kind of fluky for both teams. I think Tennessee's a lot better than they suggested they are against Denver. And I think Jacksonville's a lot worse than they suggested against Indianapolis. So I'm going to go Tennessee here. I think it's going to be a double digit win for them. Um, next one here, we are back to staying in the AFC here with Buffalo against Miami on Miami's home turf. Uh, Miami looked a little bit more competitive than I think people thought, but that might just be a product of, you know, Cam Newton being a new quarterback and a completely different style of play in New England being implemented. Uh, and Buffalo also uh, was able to get a victory in week one as well. So, uh, excuse me, the week one win for Buffalo. Miami clearly lost. That was my bad. So who you got in, <laughs> who you got in this one, uh, Buffalo or Miami? Uh, I am going to go with Miami in this game. Uh, I think, okay. you know, I, I'm, I've been pretty clearly, you know, against the Buffalo hype, uh, you know, good for you, you know, beating the Jets, like, nice, you know, uh, I'm going to go with Miami because I think that roster, like, the way Brian Flores was able to kind of get that team fired up at the end of last year, uh, they really looked like a competitive team the last, you know, after they sort of really, they went into take mode earlier in the year and they kind of finished strong. They played some gritty performances. I think they, they earned that win at the end of the year against the Patriots. Um, I think they have a little bit of something there cooking in Miami. I think it'll show this week against Buffalo. So I'm going to take Buffalo uh, for one reason. Uh, Devontae Parker probably isn't playing in Miami. I don't know how they're going to complete a pass because it's Ryan, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick who, uh, you know, say what you want. I mean, he's serviceable. There's a reason why he's still in the NFL, but he doesn't, you know, it doesn't get you any doesn't get you excited. And then Buffalo, on the other hand, has one of the best secondaries in the NFL, or at the very least, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. So I don't know how they're going to complete a pass if Devontae Parker's not playing. So I'm going to take Buffalo. Um, the next one here, probably a huge blowout. Uh, San Francisco coming off of a loss. Uh, the Jets, of course, coming off of a loss. Uh, but one of these two teams is you know, comp competing for a Super Bowl this year. Are we safe to say that yeah. San Francisco walks in out with a huge win? Yes, we are. Now let's move on to this next one. <laughs> Uh, the Rams head to Philadelphia, who choked away a victory last week against Washington. And, you know, Carson Wentz has the skeptics out again after his performance. But they do seem to have the best tight end combination in the NFL right now. And Goddard, who's stepping up in a big way. And uh, Ertz, who continues to be one of the best in the business. Now, on the other side, you got the Rams, who are coming off of a uh, momentum-swinging victory, if you will, on Sunday night football um, over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh a chance to continue their lead in the division here against a team that I think people thought was going to be more competitive in the East, but certainly didn't look that way in week one. Um, who you got in this matchup? Uh, I'll take the Rams and just, I'm not inspired at all by Philly. The last three quarters of that game, they were, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. They got up to a 17, nothing lead and it was gone so fast. Like to I, Washington, I to, right to Washington. So uh, I, yeah, I'm going with the Rams. Yeah, I'm going with the Rams as well. I should have picked the Rams last week against Dallas. I had a good feeling coming into this season for this team, and they confirmed it for me last week playing against Dallas. I mean, 
they don't have any superstars at running back anymore, but they're more efficient than when Gurley was there, right? And they're yeah. throwing the ball more effectively now, too. I mean, Robert Woods looked as good as he's ever looked last week, right? And then you got Cooper Cup, who is as dangerous of a slot receiver as you're going to find. I don't – I mean, are you even missing Brandon Cooks? Van Jefferson did his role just fine for me. So I think the Rams might be a really good football team, and we might have slept on them a bit because of what San Francisco, Seattle, and Arizona have been doing. Um, right. I'm going to take the Rams here. Uh, Denver at Pittsburgh. Uh Fun matchup now that with Ben Roethlisberger back and Drew Locke uh, being an interesting quarterback for sure, right? He's keeping them competitive in Denver. I don't know if he's the savior like some of them in, you know, some of Broncos fans are saying, but he's definitely makes them more interesting to watch. And Pittsburgh is a lot more fun um, with Roethlisberger playing quarterback. I mean, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster exists again. Um, so who do you got in this one? I got Denver. Going with the upset this week, I think I'm big on Denver this year. I think their that defense is really strong. If Vic Vangio figures out how to coach and use timeouts properly, uh, you know they can be a really competitive team. So, uh, and I, you know, I think Drew Locke will be serviceable enough with a great defense. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm mostly, you know, I think Pittsburgh's a better team. As this is more of an upset pick because I'm assuming you're going to pick Pittsburgh, and I kind of want to get the edge back in this uh, pick'em contest here. All right, yeah, I'm I'm going to pick Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think that Denver is the matchup to do that on for you, uh, because I just I, I think Pittsburgh's defense is going to get to Drew Locke. So they everything will. I just said about Drew Locke, I think it's going to be basically shut down by what Pittsburgh. I think Denver's defense will get to Big Ben. It's possible. It's possible. You know, maybe this will be closer than I think, but I think this is going to be Pittsburgh pretty convincingly. Um, this next one here might be a little bit more interesting based off what we saw in week one. Carolina heads to Tampa Bay. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good. Should have probably won that football game. But uh, Brandon, jeez, uh, what is uh, Jacob? Jacobs is Josh Jacobs. What I'm thinking, Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs Josh... was like the 6'5 <laughs> running back for the, for the Giants like 10 years ago. But Josh Jacobs had other ideas. And Carolina uh, ended up getting lost in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady didn't look all that great. I mean, I was excited. The first couple throws that Brady made downfield to Chris Godwin looked really nice. Everything after that, I mean, Ronald Jones inspires very little confidence. Mike Evans was basically held shut out until the last five minutes of the game when he got a kind of a fake lucky, like, you know, here you go touchdown. There's question marks in Tampa Bay and Carolina. I think with Bridgewater McCaffrey, they could make some noise. So, who you got in this one? I really, really want to pick pick the Panthers. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't think that – I mean, if I'm picking against the spread, I'd pick Carolina. That spread is nine right now. Uh, is it really? Yeah, nine in favor of Tampa Bay. But uh, I'll pick the Bucs. Uh, I do think it will be a close game, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take the Bucs here. Uh, when was the last time Tom Brady lost two games in a row? Has that happened? Honestly? I. I, I'm not going to fact check it on the, the top of my head. Of the show. I, I wonder, I wonder if last year, the last couple of weeks with that Dolphins loss. And then I don't know if they did the week before, but that would be the, the only time I can think of. My point being here is Tom Brady, very, 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 very rarely lose two games in a row. And uh, I think that ultimately Tampa Bay has more play playmakers, despite Godwin being in concussion protocol, Mike Evans having that hamstring thing. Um, I do think that he might've found a little bit of another one of his short, white guys in the slot uh it was shelby miller or bose miller i can't remember 
yeah. his first name. Something white and small. Um, he's uh, Tom, <laughs> seems like Tom Brady was able to find him and uh, make something out of that. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay here. I think they're the better football team, despite uh, you know kind of the issues that are surrounding their organization right now. Um, next one here is Washington at Arizona. Washington is one and zero despite all odds against Philadelphia. Dwayne Haskins looked serviceable, maybe not you know potential superstar, but serviceable. On the other side, Arizona, Kyler Murray looking like he's turning into a superstar very quickly. Uh, he is amazing. It looks like he's shuffling his feet when he runs. I don't know how he even. You can't does see him like they like. It's like in a cartoon and like, like it's the Roadrunner. Like, yeah, it's like blurs. It's not a it's, thing. It's crazy. And Hopkins, of course, is a perfect fit because he's a perfect fit for any team. Um, so uh, Arizona looking like a lot of fun. Um, I feel like they probably do something. You know, win this one convincingly. Do you yep. have a different take on that? Nope, nope. Let's go with Arizona. Arizona for both of us. Uh, home stretch here. Kansas City at the Los Angeles Chargers, the division matchup here. Uh, Pat Mahomes against Tyrod Taylor. Do the Chargers have enough firepower to compete with Pat Mahomes? I will pick Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs against anybody so, yep. at, at any venue. Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going to do the same as well. I mean, not only – I mean, the Chargers defense is good, but Tyrod Taylor can't throw two touchdowns. Mahomes might throw four. Yeah. I'm going to take Kansas City. Uh, Baltimore at Houston, two of the best young quarterbacks in the game, not named Pat Mahomes. Uh, Lamar Jackson squares off with Deshaun Watson. Watson needing desperately needing a victory after that week one loss. And Baltimore, uh, with a huge, monstrous defeat of Cleveland, heads into what seems like it could be another 13-3, and 14-2 year for them. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore absolutely shut down Watson last year. I feel like the same is going to happen again. I got Baltimore. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm not changing my perception until Baltimore proves me other ways. Basically, you can lock in Kansas City and Baltimore for me every week until something happens, right? Until they play each other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, last two. New England at Seattle. Uh, this normally would be a you know probably a great matchup on paper, but with no Tom Brady and a new look offense, I mean, I don't really know what the precedent is for New England right now. They looked all right in week one. Seattle looked a lot better. Uh, so who you got in this one? Yeah, I mean – Cam Newton and Russell Wilson still a kind of a fun matchup at quarterback. Uh, I'll sure. take I'll take Russ though for now. Um, I think this will be a fun one. Uh, it, it's interesting because I I don't Seattle did look really good now that was at you know it's against Atlanta, but um, I've kind of I kind of doubted Seattle. I, I don't know if the pieces around Russ are enough, but he didn't that didn't seem to be the case against the Falcons last week. Yeah, I'm going to take Seattle as well. Um, I don't think that Cameron Cam Newton is over the hill like a lot of people suggest, but I do think that you're going to get yourself into trouble if he's running the ball 15 times a game every single week. I just don't think that they can win yeah. that. Um, so I see Seattle getting uh, getting the win here. Uh, I, I think they simply have more right now. Um, they're just New England just isn't quite the same. I don't know if it's the quarterback difference. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they, they don't have the same feel for me. I don't think they can compete, compete with Seattle right now. So I'm going to go um, with the Seahawks. And that's our last our last game here is the Monday Night Showdown. Um, New Orleans might be the best team in the NFL, squaring off against John Gruden's Raiders, um, who actually didn't look too bad in week one. I'm going to pick the Raiders. Uh, they're debut in the stadium. Uh, okay. Michael Thomas is not playing. And uh, I think... I don't know. I, I feel like what the Saints have is, is running out. I don't know. It, it just seems like Drew Brees is definitely not the old Drew Brees, right? Um, like, it didn't seem like their offense was what carried them last week, you know? 
they had that, I think it was a pick six, I believe, right? Charles Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a pick six. They had a couple of plays here and there. Sean Payton is still an idiot, by the way, for getting Michael Thomas hurt. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, or if you remember that, but Saints were up 11, under two minutes left. That was when Sean Payton threw the trick play to from Taysom Hill to Alvin Kamara. And then I think the next play, they were still trying to score. And then Kamara ended up rolling over Thomas's ankle, getting tackled. And there's just no reason for either of them to be on the field um, at that point in the game. But you know, this is irrelevant. We can make fun of Sean Payton on another show. Uh, you just hate to see a star player go down that way. I'm going to pick the Raiders. So I'm going to take New Orleans. Um, I still think they're the better football team, even without Michael Thomas. I mean, they're, they're, they're so complete across the board, even without one of the best receivers in football. Um, that kind of tells you all you need to know. And I just don't think the Raiders are that good. I, I'm, I'm calling them a fraud after week one. Um, I don't think they're ready to compete yet. I do think Josh Jacobs is awesome. And Derek Carr probably doesn't get enough credit for what he is. You know, a very solid quarterback because everyone wants him to be the best quarterback. And he's just not going to be that. He's like, he's like Kirk Cousins. He's just so mediocre that he's good enough to get you by. And people love to throw, you know, shade at him for being very average, but he can get it done every once in a while. Um, But I do think that the Saints are the better team here. I'm going to take them to win. Uh, and just to give you guys an update, after week one, I went 10-6, and six, Drew went 9-7. and seven. The one game we were split on the New Orleans-Tampa Bay game is the difference right now. Um, that's what we head into with week two. So that's all I've got. You got any final thoughts for me before we shut it down? I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't want to call this must-win for the Vikings, but 0-2 is not good. So 0-2 is not good. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, uh, you can find us on the Daily Norseman um, along with the rest of the content from Climbing the Pocket. Make sure to check out our network um, and what everyone is producing there. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc. And this video here of us talking will be viewed by like three or four people on YouTube. So if you want to join that crowd, feel free to do so. Uh, we will be back uh, on Tuesday. Uh, with your recap of hopefully a Minnesota Vikings victory. And as always, we appreciate you listening to the show, and we will catch you next week.